Please pray with me. Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. By the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to us of your promises, that we might hear your truth and enjoy you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Listen now for God's word to us. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Once again, Jesus gives us a confounding parable that's supposed to illuminate some aspect of the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God is something like a group of bridesmaids at a wedding festival. Half of them were labeled wise and half are foolish. Now to have any clue what we're supposed to take from this parable, we need to know a little about Palestinian wedding festivals. On the day of the wedding, the groom would head out around dusk to go to the bride's family house to negotiate the terms of the marriage and retrieve his bride. The guests would wait outside, and when the bridegroom retrieved his bride, they would parade through the village dancing and showing off the happy couple. They would process all the way back to the groom's family house, where the party would continue at the wedding banquet. As for the bridesmaids, it seems that their role was to help lead the procession from the bride's to the groom's house, lighting the way in front and behind and all around. Some picture them dancing along the way, helping to get the party started, so to speak. So this is the scene that Jesus sets before us, saying the kingdom of God is something like this. Ten bridesmaids are gathered and ready to party. They've got their lamps lit, ready to lead the way. Of the ten, we're told five are wise and five are foolish. But what exactly makes the wise maids wise? 
and what makes the foolish ones foolish? Well, according to the story, it has everything to do with their lamps. And the difference between the wise and the foolish only comes to light when a curious and unexpected thing happens. The bridegroom gets delayed. Apparently, negotiations were taking longer than expected. The bridesmaids wait as the hours drag on and they start to become drowsy. As the prospect of the groom's arrival becomes less and less likely, all ten of the bridesmaids lay their heads down to rest. Eventually, midnight rolls around. By now, they might have thought that the negotiations had gone completely awry and the groom was no longer coming at all. But then someone hollers out, I see the groom! He's coming! The maids scramble to their feet and start trimming their lamps. And here is where the distinction between the wise and the foolish arises. Five of the bridesmaids did not bring extra oil, while five had reserves on hand. The five without realize they no longer have enough oil to keep their lamps burning all the way to the party. So they turn to their companions and say, Share some of your oil with us. But the five wise maidens respond, I'm sorry, but there will not be enough for all of us. You'll have to go to the dealers to get your own. In a hurry, the five without any oil left run off in search of more. Now, at this point, we imagine that at midnight there could hardly have been any dealers open. But Ken Bailey assures us that in the Middle East, especially during a wedding celebration, there would have been people awake, whether merchants or neighbors, who could have provided a little oil for their lamps. In any case, while the bridesmaids are off getting more oil, the groom arrives, and the five who, are, who had reserves happily join the procession, dancing and lighting the way to the groom's house and the wedding banquet within. They enter the house, and the door is shut and locked behind them. I mean, this is the middle of the night, after all. And they feast and party the night away. The five remaining bridesmaids return and knock on the door. Lord, Lord, we're here. We're ready. We want to come in and party and dance with all the rest. But the bridegroom responds through the locked door, I'm sorry, I, I don't know you. And with that, the story ends. And Jesus tells us, to keep awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. With this gut-wrenching ending, we're left confused and wondering, oh my goodness, I don't want to be the foolish bridesmaid. I want to be the wise. I want to be prepared and stay alert and be ready, always prepared with extra oil. Wisdom and folly. What makes the wise wise and the foolish foolish? 
It appears to have everything to do with those lamps and the reserves of oil. Be prepared. Get ready and stay alert. We know these kinds of people, right? The kind of people who seem to always think of everything. They've got plenty of oil reserves. They're the kind of people who make all the lists and keep a very organized and disciplined calendar and schedule. Their house is always ready to host. They didn't have to run out and get more toilet paper or hand sanitizer at the beginning of the pandemic. They already had a store of it in their basement or closet. And they've got brownie mix for any time an unexpected guest comes over. When I reread this parable, I immediately thought of my own experiences while with attending and being in weddings. In the past 15 years, I've attended, been in, or helped to coordinate well over 30 weddings. I think the record year was seven, three all in October. Early on, I was just excited to be there, but as I went to more and more, I started keeping notes by taking pictures of decorations or flowers and centerpieces, keeping a box of invitations and save the date cards and party favors. The first wedding I was in as a bridesmaid, I was kind of clueless, like these foolish bridesmaids seem to be. But with each successive wedding, I got more and more prepared. I had everything you could possibly think to need on a wedding day. No deodorant, no worries, I have some. And it's spray deodorant, so you don't have to worry about sharing. Rip in a dress seam, not a problem. Here's a mini sewing kit. By the time my own wedding rolled around, I was the bride who handed to each of our bridal party a five-page document listing out the itinerary in detail. Phone numbers for everyone in the wedding party, the parents and all of the vendors, addresses and directions to all the locations for the entire weekend. Suffice it to say, when I reread this parable, I thought I knew what Jesus was trying to say about being prepared, because you don't know when the kingdom will come. Being prepared looks like faithfulness and obedience, practicing spiritual disciplines and doing good works for the mission of Jesus in the world. Having enough oil reserves means having faith and unending hope and perseverance through hardship, staying connected to God through prayer and worship and service. And don't get me wrong, these are all excellent means of staying alert to the kingdom of God in our midst. But when Jesus and later Paul talk about wisdom and foolishness, it's not always what we expect. After pronouncing judgment on cities that didn't recognize him, Jesus prayed, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. And in his letter to the Corinthian church, Paul proclaims, the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 
For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews, and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Consider your own call, brothers and sisters, Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. So what if the wise bridesmaids are not wise in the way we think they are? After all, why did they think they might need the extra oil? Were they expecting the groom to be delayed? Who could have? Who would have expected that? That's like saying we should have been expecting, should have been prepared for a pandemic to interrupt this year's ministry. No one could have seen that coming. And it's not as if they are wise for staying awake and alert. They fell asleep the same as all the rest. And what's with this not sharing of the oil with the others? Isn't Jesus always talking about sharing our resources, feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000 with a few loaves of bread and a few fish? Give away all you have and follow me. For as long as we've been reading and studying this parable, we've tried to figure out what that oil is supposed to be and therefore why it couldn't have been shared. Interpreters suggest that it's an individual's faith or spiritual reserves or good deeds, and those cannot be shared. And therefore, each individual has to carry with them their own oil. But I don't buy that. Because when you're down in the depths of grief and depression, feeling hopeless and uncertain about the future, when you have no spiritual reserves or hope from which to draw, it is the faith and hope and spiritual reserves of the family of God that uphold you through all the mess. We carry one another's burdens and we share in one another's joys. It's like what Nadia Boltzweber said this week in the SYI Unprecedented Hope Conference. When the world is falling apart, when plans go awry, and things are yet again delayed, I don't need unprecedented hope. I need precedented hope. 
the hope of the disciples who have gone before me, the spiritual reserves of the great cloud of witnesses. Maybe the oil is just oil. And maybe Christ is not telling a story about keeping alert to the kingdom by storing up some kind of oil we're supposed to figure out the meaning of. Maybe Jesus is not telling us how to be prepared, but is telling a story about how to be a disciple when we have nothing left. When our lamp is burning low, when things are not going according to plan, and when there is no clear way forward. Because when you think about it, the life of discipleship is full of these moments. We are acutely aware of this right now, living through a pandemic, wondering if we have what it takes for such a time as this. Angela Hancock says in reference to this parable, when we fear the future, our dreams of changing the world or even our neighborhood get put on hold. We're tempted again and again in these moments to run off and seize control, trying to find an oil dealer in the middle of the night, trying to find what we think we need a clear-cut program for doing church online, a protocol for how to teach children in an ongoing pandemic, a stewardship plan for keeping the ministries of the church going when no one's in the building. I mean, what other choice do we have in the middle of the night? We're either prepared with oil reserves or we go looking for a dealer in the dark. Those are the only two options, right? But here's where Angela Hancock suggests maybe there's a third option. She retells the story like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a group of bridesmaids going out with their lanterns. Some brought extra oil and some did not. As evening approached, the groom got delayed, and the bridesmaids became drowsy and fell asleep. When midnight arrived, a voice called out, I see the groom, he's coming, come to meet him. The maidens jumped to their feet and began trimming their lamps, but the ones without extra oil could not relight theirs. Asking the others for some of their oil, the bridesmaids with reserve said, no, I'm sorry. If we give you any, there won't be enough for any of us. So you should probably go find a dealer to get more. But the bridesmaids, without extra oil, replied, We're not going to stumble around in the dark looking for oil. The groom is approaching. And we know the groom. He wants us to be there to celebrate with him. And so the bridegroom arrived, and all ten of the bridesmaids went out to meet him, oil or no oil, and light the way to the wedding banquet. 
and the ones without light danced in borrowed light. Friends, there will be days, in fact, we are living in them right now, when you have no answers and your oil is running low. There will be days when you are feeling drowsy and fall asleep and your oil is almost gone. And there will be days when you are tempted to run off in the middle of the night in search of an oil dealer trying to control your life. It's on those days that you will need to dance in borrowed light. It's on those days that you will need to rely on the precedented hope of the great cloud of witnesses. And it is on those days that you need to remember you know the bridegroom, and he prepares a table for you in the valley of shadows. And ultimately, all our light is borrowed anyway, right? Borrowed from the light of the world. So when your oil is almost gone and your light is flickering, Fix your eyes upon Jesus. And don't stop dancing. Amen.